Hello, and welcome to another episode of Let's Get Sexy, the podcast where I read an erotic story and you listen to it. In this current series, series six of the podcast, we're reading a story by author UK underscore writer underscore 53 called Undercover Stripper, about a couple who go undercover to investigate a crime syndicate. If you've listened to the podcast before, then you'll know that I don't read the chapters ahead of time. Don't know what's going to happen in this week's episode. That's part of the fun of it for me. And it means that my comments in the second part of the podcast are my genuine reaction to the first reading of this chapter. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, then I strongly advise you to go back and check it out. Although I will do a quick recap, just so that we're all on the same page. Last time, we were introduced to Detective Sergeant Tom Whitby as his boss, Detective Chief Inspector George Freeman, called him into his office to give him a very special undercover mission to find out what's going on at the heart of a crime syndicate who seemed to operate some kind of scam. The complication? Tom's wife Jessica, an investigative reporter for the local paper, is also trying to find out as much as she can for a story she's been working on. Tom managed to find out a little bit of information from a local barmaid called Sarah, who tipped him off that this gang have just bought a strip club. Information that she got through some of her friends who work there. Tom also stopped in at the planning office to talk with his friend and neighbour, Rob Greenwood, who let him know that the club is being managed through a solicitor who protects the real identity of the owner. We had a little bit of backstory on how Tom and Jessica met, and we witnessed the inevitable argument when Tom got home and broke the news to his wife that he wants her to drop what she's doing and give him her information so that he can work on the case. Obviously, she wasn't pleased, but eventually they did come to a resolution, and they've decided to work as partners, on the understanding that Jessica doesn't put herself in harm's way. And I believe that chapter 3 starts exactly where we left off, with the both of them still sitting around the table, hammering out the details of their collaboration. Before I begin, a couple of words on the stats for this chapter. 6.5 thousand words, so slightly longer than last time. A rating of 4.68 stars, which means this chapter is H for hot. It's had 13,000 views, 21 likes, and there are 11 comments at the end for us to get into. I'll be back with that and my usual analysis at the end of the podcast. Until then, please enjoy Chapter 2 of Undercover Stripper. Reveal all except the truth. Undercover Stripper. Take off your clothes and move your body to distract the eye Nobody knows that underneath you're an undercover spy Reveal all except the truth Undercover stripper Never tell them Cards on the table, then. I'll tell you what I know, and you tell me what you know. Okay. Tom held out his hand to formally seal the deal with his wife. Jessica giggled, and then putting on a serious expression, shook her husband's hand. Deal. With an agreement reached, Tom started by repeating his conversation with Sarah, and then moved on to tell her what he'd found out from Rob at the planning office. So, this James O'Connell, 
He's just the front for the owners of the property. She looked a little puzzled. Is that actually legal? Apparently so. According to Rob, he confirmed, a lot of wealthy people do it. Once he had finished, keeping her side of the bargain, Jess began to tell him what she'd managed to find out. Apparently, the company that brought the club are called Deluxe Entertainment, although as yet, I haven't been able to uncover much about them. Tom made a mental note of the name for further investigation. The fact that you were told they paid well under the market rate fits exactly what I've heard. Oh? Who from? he asked, not expecting her to tell him. She shook her head, her long blonde hair swaying around her slim shoulders. You know I can't reveal my sources, but it was someone on the inside. So that probably means the old owners of Sin City had some pressure applied to persuade them to sell. I wonder if the same thing's going down at the lounge. His incisive powers of police deduction came into play. And, if it's Deluxe Entertainment, the same company that bought Sin City, then that would tie it all together, Jessica started, saying out loud what he was thinking. We need to run a check on the bars around there, too. See if any of those have changed ownership lately as well, he added thoughtfully. Maybe we can ask Rob. Tom began to feel that they were making some headway now that they were combining information, but it still wasn't enough. Voicing his thoughts, he declared, Names. What we really need are names. Well, you have James O'Connell for a start, his wife threw back at him. And I have Gregor Markov. He's the new manager down at Sin City. Markov. That name rings a bell. Rubbing his hand over his face, Tom tried to think. A nasty piece of work by all accounts, Jessica added. Did your source tell you anything else? His wife shook her head again. No, it was hard enough to get them to tell me that much. They were obviously scared. He sat back, his mind going over all the questions and trying, without success, to find any of the answers he desperately sought. Ah, oh, it's not much to go on, is it? Let it go for tonight, babe. Jessica put her glass down and snuggled into her husband. We can come back to it tomorrow. That was when she looked up at him, her eyes meeting his when he glanced down. They kissed. At first it was just a simple kiss, the sort married couples often give each other, but it quickly progressed from there to something much more. As his tongue darted into her mouth, he pulled her round against him, fingers finding the back of her head to pin her lips to his, while his wife's arms slid up to encircle his neck. Unopposed, Tom's free hand slid up Jessica's body to cup one of her pert, modest breasts, his fingers searching for her nipple so he could tease it into a hardened point that jutted visibly through her top. She pulled away for a moment, looking directly into his eyes, their argument from earlier clearly forgotten while her arousal from their kissing took over. "'Fuck me, Tom, please. I want you inside me,' Jessica whispered, her voice filled with lust. He pulled her mouth back to his, fumbling at the buttons of her top until he'd opened it all the way down the front. Beneath, her small pert tits were encased in a simple white lace bra, the swollen nipples already pushing out prominently against the skimpy material. With him pinching and playing with the ultra-sensitive firm nubs, Jess was soon whimpering softly, her own fingers tugging at her husband's shirt buttons. Still kissing eagerly, the pair wriggled and struggled as she pulled her shirt off her arms and reaching behind her unfastened her bra. Pausing for a moment, she slipped it off to expose her chest to him, and he swiftly took advantage of her nudity, lowering his head to take a hard nipple in his mouth. Oh fuck, that feels good, Jessica groaned softly, her head thrown back and her blonde tresses cascading down over her shoulders. Sucking on her engorged teats, Tom dropped his hand across her flat belly and started to undo her jeans. Popping the button, he struggled with the zipper, finally managing to ease it down to reveal a hint of her white lace panties. He was struggling to get his hand inside his wife's tight jeans when, desperate to have him touch her, she groaned and pushed him firmly away, 
Wait, wait, let me do it, she giggled, jumping off the sofa, her cute little tits jiggling enticingly as she stood up. Tom laid back, watching with anticipation of what was to come as his gorgeous wife kicked off her shoes and then, with a sexy wiggle, slid her jeans and panties down her long legs in one go. There, that's much better, Jess grinned, nudging her clothing aside with her foot as she stood in front of her husband, stark naked. Never want to be shy, were you? he laughed, his eyes taking in every inch of her gorgeous body. Shrugging his shirt off, Tom reached to undo his own trousers, only for Jessica to beat him to it. Dropping to her knees before him, her fingers pushed aside his and deftly unzipped them, reaching inside his pants to extract his now rigid dick, as she stared wantonly up into his eyes. Uh-uh, my turn to tease you. Oh shit, Jess, he gasped, knowing exactly what was coming. She looked up at him, smiling cheekily, her slender fingers stroking gently up and down on his hard shaft, twisting and pumping as they pleasured him. Then, leaning closer, she dribbled a glob of her saliva onto his cockhead, letting it trickle down her husband's length so her hand could massage it into his flesh. Do you like that? She whispered huskily, with her eyes still fixed unwaveringly on his. Fuck do I, baby. Somehow he managed to groan his reply. Mmm. Gah. Without another word, she lowered her head towards his manhood, stretching her lips around the swollen girth, her tongue licking the tip as she took the head into the warmth of her mouth. Tom had realised early on in his marriage that the one thing his wife knew how to do was suck cock. He had never asked her how she learned, but he knew she did it like a pro. Not that he thought there was anything wrong with the rest of her sexual techniques, it was just that she was great at swallowing dick. Tom groaned, as Jessica bobbed her head steadily up and down, working her lips along his throbbing length, covering his prick with her saliva as she sucked it greedily. She loved pleasing her husband, and it never failed to arouse her when she made him moan with pleasure as she fellated him. Slow down, Jess. I'll fucking come if you don't, he managed to tell her as he grabbed her hair and pulled her away, gasping for breath, his spit-covered erection twitching. She pouted at him, but he didn't care. Now it was his turn. Rapidly tugging off the rest of his clothes, Tom grabbed her, guiding her onto the sofa, and pushing her legs apart, he lowered his mouth towards her shaven mound. He could hear her breathing quicken, so he took his time, kissing her inner thighs, running his fingers across her belly and licking just the outside of her nether lips. Stop fucking teasing me and lick it, Jess moaned, reaching for his hair and pulling his mouth forcefully against her. Oh, ooh, she let slip as he traced his tongue along the length of her bald slit, going from her dark puckered back door all the way up to her swollen clit, already poking out from its hood. Oh, fuck, yes. Jessica cried out, throwing her head back and clamping her thighs tightly around his ears. Her husband's tongue probed into her wet entrance for a few seconds and then returned to play against her inflamed clitoris, making her gasp even louder as she writhed with pleasure. Licking along her crevice, he knew she was really enjoying his attentions when she wrapped her fingers in his hair and began to jerk her hips urgently. Come, oh, ee. The sounds of his lips slurping on her pussy filled the air as he drove her towards her climax. Unable to hold back, Jess squealed and bucked against her husband's mouth, her pussy flooding its cream all over his face as the glowing embers of her lust flared into a raging inferno. Oh God, oh shit, shit, oh fuck, I'm, I'm coming! Her orgasm took hold and she shuddered violently, arching her spine up off the sofa. Finally, thirty seconds later, totally spent, she lay back trembling, her chest heaving, with her legs spread apart exposing her glistening slit as she opened her eyes and looked up at him submissively. 
Fuck me, baby. Please, I need cock. Her hoarse whisper was barely audible. Tom was well aware that when his wife got really into sex, she became very submissive, just as she was now, and he knew he was going to get the ride of his life. Lowering himself onto her, he guided his cockhead against her entrance, nudging between her labia and feeding the first inch of his hard shaft into her thick, wet tunnel before pulling back, tormenting her. Please don't tease me. Oh, please. I need you to fuck me, she moaned softly, reaching to pull him inside her. Tom held back a little longer, wanting to hear her beg him, to feel the despair in her voice as he rubbed the swollen crown of his dick against her moist pussy. Every so often, he would slip an inch into her, making her sigh, only to pull out again. Oh, please, Tom, fuck me. Please, I need a cock in me. Jessica begged, almost wailing in desperation, her fingers clutched at his buttocks, trying to force his erection inside of her. Unable to hold back any longer, he drove into her sex, splitting her quim open around his shaft, his balls hitting her ass as he buried his prick deep in her belly. Fuck! Yes! Yes! Jessica shrieked as he entered her, her voice so loud he expected the neighbours in the next flat to complain and her legs hooked over his while her red-painted nails raked across his back, and he began to fuck her. Settling into an easy rhythm, his cock slid back and forth between her puffy lips, and she felt his length bottom out in her, the swollen head of his solid length nudging her cervix. Oh, fuck! Fuck, yes! Fuck me! Jess squealed and squirmed, writhing under her husband, her small breasts and hard nipples crushed to his chest. She quickly felt her orgasm building as she clung to him, humping her hips upwards to meet his vigorous thrusts, her vaginal muscles flexing to squeeze his shaft as it seemed to drive deeper and deeper into her. Oh, fuck, Jess, I'm gonna... Tom gasped, trying to hold back his own impending apex. Not yet, wait, I'm nearly there... Jessica panted, grinding her clitoris against the base of his thrusting rod. Biting his lip, Tom tried to think about anything but his impending explosion as he hammered away at his wife's pussy. Oh, oh, oh... Literally seconds later, he was rewarded when she moaned loudly under him. Come with me, baby. Please. I'm... I... Uh... Screaming with delight, Jessica came, her whole body jerking and her painted nails scraping along his arms as she convulsed, the waves of ecstasy flooding through her. Coming! Her shriek of delight sent him over the edge with her. Jess, I... Oh, fuck. I... Oh... Grunting, he ejaculated into his wife, his cock throbbing and spasming as he pumped spurt after spurt of hot man-juice into her belly. Finally, spent, he collapsed on top of her and they lay together, holding each other until the sensations of their shared pleasure faded away. Oh God, I needed that, she sighed, her breathing slowing. Me too, Tom agreed. Okay, you can get off me now, Jessica giggled and heaved her husband up, trying to push him away. Rolling onto his side, Tom looked at his wife as she got up, one hand between her legs to catch the cum that was already dripping out of her gaping slit. Why do you have to come so much? She laughed at him as she made her customary dash for the bathroom. It's your fault. You shouldn't be such a great fuck. He shouted back at her disappearing form and slowly pushed himself up off the sofa. Once he had dressed and Jess had returned from downstairs wearing just a long t-shirt and panties, the two of them snuggled up together on the settee to review their non-existent plan of action for the investigation. Sipping another glass of wine, Jessica asked the question her husband had been waiting for. So, what's our plan then? Our plan? He chuckled. Don't you mean my plan? Okay, mastermind. What's your plan then? Her eyes questioned him. Well, I... He stammered not having any idea what his next move would be. 
I, um, well, I thought I might, you know, try to get a job at the club. Doing what exactly? His wife sat up and gave him a look of utter incredulity. Working as a stripper? I don't know. Security, maybe. Bar work. Anything I can get. He knew it sounded weak. Oh, right. And they're just going to reveal everything they're doing to the bar staff, are they? Her look had gone from sceptical to one of plain disbelief over his stupidity, and she shook her head, mumbling something about her husband's idiocy. Tom was annoyed at her now. Well, what do you suggest we do, then, if you're so clever? Why don't I get a job down there? As a dancer, Jess declared casually. Dancer? You mean stripper? He raised his voice now, but he didn't care. And there's no way you're doing that. That's just so typical of you. I knew you were just after the information I had. She jumped up off the sofa and stood glaring at him. You're not doing it, and that's final. He stood up as well, and stared down at her. You know your trouble. You're trapped in the Dark Ages, where the little wife should stay home cooking and cleaning. Giving him one final look of total disgust, she turned on her heel and stomped off to the bedroom. Tom sat down. He knew he had blown it. Again. Following her a little later, he climbed into bed next to his wife, fairly certain of the response he would get, and, as expected, she kept her back to him and didn't utter a word. He was obviously going to get the silent treatment. The following morning was no better. Despite his best efforts, Tom barely got a word out of Jessica, and his coffee was slammed down on the table with enough venom that most of it spilled into the saucer. How long am I going to get the cold shoulder for? He eventually asked, reconciled to the fact that it would probably be a couple of days at least. Till you stop being an asshole and realise that we're in this together, she spat back in reply before heading to the bathroom to shower, making a show of locking the door behind her. He sighed resignedly, as if any normal husband would let their wife become a stripper, let alone a stripper investigating a criminal ring, he thought to himself. If they found out who she was or what she was doing, being a girl wouldn't save her from what they would do to her. His problem was that despite his steadfast refusal to even consider Jessica's suggestion, he knew she was right. Even working as security, he doubted he would be party to any real information, whereas one of the strippers might well hear something, especially if she were lap-dancing, or more, for one of the gang members. Lap-dancing? He hadn't even thought of her doing that. And more? What exactly did that mean? She clearly hadn't thought this through properly. She was being utterly naive if she thought all she would be involved in was going topless and dancing on stage. He knew that she would be required to go nude, and a lot more besides. Customers wanted to see everything these days, and she would be expected to show them. Then there were the lap dances, stripping off and sitting on a guy's lap, letting them fondle her breasts, and as always, with the suggestion of something more. That would be the minimum. If she wanted to get close to the higher echelons of the gang, who knows what she might have to do. No, he decided. It was completely out of the question. Or was it? If he found the idea of Jessica stripping off and showing her body in intimate detail to a room full of drunken loudmouths so abhorrent, then why was he sitting there with a diamond cutter of an erection currently tenting his jeans? But what if it went further? What if she had to... He knew part of him would be jealous as hell, but on the other hand, the thought of his wife spreading her legs for one of the gang's hierarchy was even more arousing than the idea of her stripping. The sound of the door opening jerked him back from his fantasising, and he dropped his hands into his lap to cover his obvious erection. Ignoring him, Jess went straight to the bedroom to get dressed, without saying a word. After his wife had left the bathroom free, Tom took the opportunity to shower and shave quickly before getting his clothes on. His plan was to just head over to the strip club. He'd checked on the internet, and he knew they were employing people, 
so maybe he could get a foot in the door. Bye, babe, he said, and going to leave, he took hold of her shoulders and kissed her cheek. Jessica simply glared at him and refused to even acknowledge his goodbye, turning her back on him as he left. He'd barely gone ten paces when she came running after him. Are you going to the club? she asked. Yeah, plan A, if you recall. I'm going to see if I can get a job there. He reminded her of what he'd proposed the previous evening. She flung her arms around him and hugged him. Please be careful, and remember, I love you, even if you are an idiot at times. And with that she let go of him and disappeared back into the flat. Tom drove the thirty minutes or so across town to Sin City, parking a couple of streets away and walking the final part of the journey, just to give him time to collect his thoughts. The club was situated in a less than reputable neighbourhood, and the entrance wasn't particularly appealing either. All there was was a small, heavy door with a neon sign above it, announcing it simply as Sin City. However, either side of it were posters that left you in no doubt as to what would greet you inside. Slightly surprised to find the entrance unlocked, he pushed it open and strolled nonchalantly into the empty foyer. Both the pay booth and the cloakroom desk were unattended, as he'd expected, so he stepped through the curtained-off archway and went into the main bar. Almost immediately, he was struck by the size and colour of the room. It was large, with tables and chairs scattered haphazardly around the main floor, and decorated in deep red with black and silver trimmings. Directly opposite the archway was the main stage, extending out into the floor area, with stools situated all around its edge. Along the left-hand wall was the bar, with more stools at either end, and an area for customers to stand at the centre. There were also two doors sighted at each end of the counter, both marked private. On the wall facing the bar, away from the main room, was a screened-off VIP area with several sofas and half a dozen horseshoe-shaped booths with more screens that would offer their occupants even greater privacy. It was obvious that this was where the girls would bring those customers who paid to be entertained privately, away from the other clientele, to enjoy a more intimate dance. Can I help you? A huge black guy with the word security emblazoned on the front of his t-shirt approached Tom. Um, yeah, I heard you were hiring. I'm looking for a job, that's all he replied, trying to keep his voice calm and even. The security man looked him over, sizing up his six-foot-two rugby player physique and obviously weighing him up. Security? Tom nodded. Yeah, that's right. Any experience? The guy didn't sound like he was just going to throw him out, so he relaxed a little. Some, Tom replied. Done three years as a Royal Marine, and I've had a few jobs doing security work since then. The well-built black man considered him for a moment. Wait there, I'll see if the boss is free. He eventually responded, and then turned away and left him alone. Tom took the opportunity to look around the room again. He now realised the decor was much shabbier than his first impression had suggested. Paint was peeling in places, and the walls were obviously patched, while the drapes had several rents in them. So, you are looking for a job? A deep bass voice jerked him around. What's the name? Gregor Markov, at least that's who Tom assumed it was, was a few inches shorter than his own six foot two, and around forty-five or fifty years old, he guessed. The way he carried himself gave him the impression that the strip club boss had probably been something of a hard man in his younger years. His paunch suggested that he'd put on some weight over time, although he looked as if he could still handle himself if he had to. His most striking feature, though, was his dark, menacing eyes that seemed to bore into you from a face dominated by his totally bald head and a nose that had been broken and badly reset. It's Tom. Tom Willoughby. He lied about his surname before continuing. Yeah, something in the doorman or security line. I saw you were hiring. Thought I'd drop in. Fair enough. Why do you want to work here? 
Markov inquired, almost offhandedly. Well, sounds like the pay is reasonable, and the scenery can't be bad, he grinned amiably back at the club manager. Yes, true. Darrell here says you have been a marine. Any other experience? Relieved that he hadn't simply said no, Tom continued to be hopeful. That's right, three years. He didn't lie about that. It would have been easy enough to check. I've worked in a few places since then. Got some references here from other clubs and bars I've been at. He handed across several previously prepared references that would pass a cursory examination if the clubs wanted to follow up on them. Markov took the folded sheets of paper and nonchalantly scanned through them before handing them back and appraising him for a moment. Hmm. Okay. You look like you can handle yourself. I will give you a go. A week's trial. If it works out, you're in. If not, well. Tom smiled. Sounds fair to me. Good. Standard rate. With that, he went to go before turning back. Give your details to Daryl. He handle all the security issue. Work out shift rotor with him, and we show you ropes next time you come in. Sitting down with Daryl, who it seemed was the head of security, Tom gave him some basic information that he was sure to check, and agreed that he would start with four shifts over the coming week. Two afternoons, Tuesday and Friday, and two evenings, Saturday and Wednesday. These would be when Daryl was around to help him out and keep an eye on him. Who's this, babe? A stunning black girl came out from the back of the stage and draped her hand over Daryl's shoulder. He immediately guessed that she was a stripper, judging by her glamorous looks and the amount of makeup she had on. Tom, he's new, starting tomorrow. Hi, Tom, nice to meet you. She held out her hand. This is Clarice, my wife. Daryl introduced her and Tom took her proffered hand. She dances here under the name Athena. Your wife? He couldn't help but blurt out, taken completely by surprise. Don't sound so shocked, honey. Just because I take my clothes off doesn't stop me being married to my man. As if just to give credence to her words, she leant over and kissed Daryl on the cheek. I'm sorry, I... I didn't mean anything by it. Tom mumbled in apology. Don't sweat it, man. Takes everyone by surprise. See you Friday, nice and early, said Daryl as the two men shook hands and Tom saw himself out of the club, his first mission accomplished. Satisfied with his efforts in getting a foot in the door at the strip club, he made his way back to where he'd parked his car. It was a start, although he knew he wasn't going to find out a lot of information working on security. Somehow, he needed to get inside the chain of command. Or did he? Maybe what his wife had said made sense. It would be a lot easier for one of the girls to gain some sort of insider access than a simple bouncer. He needed to get his head around the idea and its potential outcomes before he said anything to her. Driving back towards the flat, he found a coffee bar and pulled over before making his way inside. Joining the queue at the counter, he ordered himself a cappuccino and then found a quiet table to sit down and think. He knew the risk they would be taking. If either of them were found out, they would likely end up dead. On the other hand, if they succeeded, they might just bring the gang to book. But it was what his wife might have to do to achieve it that concerned him more than anything. That and his unexpected reaction to it. She would be nude. On stage, being leered at by dozens of men. Darrell seemed to cope with his wife stripping, though. Could he do the same? That was easy for him to answer. He knew that if he was being honest with himself, he really wanted her to start stripping. After all, she was beautiful, sexy, and she could dance. Watching her flaunt her most intimate parts on stage would be a real turn-on for him. Then there would be the lap dances and the knowledge that other men would be groping her body. How far did Clarice go with her lap dances? If that was the worst that happened, would it be so bad? He felt a pang of jealousy thinking about other men touching her, but at the same time, 
He also couldn't help but feel aroused at the idea. Perhaps he should talk to Daryl about it. But then, what else might she have to do? He knew that he should have been feeling possessive and covetous. The thought of her spreading her legs for just any other man, let alone one of the gang's leaders, should have had him in a rage, but it didn't. Just sitting with a coffee, imagining that particular scenario, had given him a hard-on like granite. He was jealous for certain, but he was more aroused than he had been for a long time. Finishing his coffee, he went back to the car. He knew he had to talk to his wife. Hi, hon, he called out as he walked through the front door. He was greeted by the sound of silence. I got the job at the club, Tom said to no one. Walking into the kitchen, he found his wife sitting at the table, working busily on her laptop. Jess glanced up at him with an expression of aloofness, and then went back to poring over her screen, continuing whatever she'd been doing without saying a word to him. She was glad he was back from the club safely, but she still hadn't forgiven him for his attitude the previous evening. Oh, for Christ's sake, how long are you going to keep this up? Tom asked. Again, Jessica turned to look at him, her mouth curling up into a smile before she looked away, purposefully ignoring him. Okay, point taken. Can we talk about it, please? Tom tried again. She paused, but didn't look up. By talk, you mean talk about involving me in this investigation, so that I get my story? Well, I... Can we just talk it through, you know, properly this time, I mean? He asked rather meekly, not wanting to start another argument with her. She gave the suggestion some thought for a few seconds. Okay, let me get us some lunch and we can discuss it. Ten minutes later, his wife put two plates on the table along with two mugs of coffee and dropped into a chair opposite him. So, talk, she said, folding her arms and waiting with interest to hear what he was going to say. You were right, I'm not going to find out much as a bouncer, he reluctantly admitted to her. I'll just be a hard hand, no one's going to tell me anything. So you agree that I could find out a lot more as a dancer, she grinned, clearly enjoying her moment of triumph. Tom hesitated for a second, sipping his coffee before he eventually answered. It's possible, I agree. But first, let me explain what you might be setting yourself up for. A bit of topless dancing? Jessica scoffed. I've shown as much on the beach. If you're going to keep interrupting me, Jess, there's no point in me continuing. He took a bite of his sandwich and glared at her. Sorry, I'll be quiet. Go on, she said, somewhat contritely, and as her apology seemed sincere, he continued. Firstly... It won't just be topless. You'll be expected to strip, naked on stage, and show the punters everything you've got. That means legs wide apart, Jess. And I mean wide, he told her bluntly, leaving nothing to her imagination. They've paid to see pussy, and you'll be expected to deliver plenty of it. Oh. She considered what her husband had said for a minute, while he took another bite of his lunch. Exposing herself intimately to a room full of half-drunken lectures wasn't exactly what she'd had in mind. However, she consoled herself with the thought that she would have her husband and the other security staff to protect her. Okay, well, if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. I can do that, she eventually declared, trying to feel more confident about it than she actually did. If they tip you, you'll be expected to give them a real close-up of your pussy, or shove your tits in their face, he continued, not holding back on the details of what she'd have to do. Can they, you know, touch me, she asked. Tom shook his head. Not while you're on stage, anyway. Any attempt to grope you would get them thrown out. That's my job. Not on stage. That sounds a bit ominous. She bit her bottom lip. She was beginning to see the serious side of what she was thinking of doing now. There's a VIP room. You'll be expected to dance in there as well. He continued his description of a stripper's duties. Oh, okay. And what happens in there? Jessica asked nervously. He looked at her, 
trying to determine if his account of what she should expect had got her rattled, but she seemed outwardly calm. You'd be dancing privately, for one, maybe two men. You'd strip as normal, but then they can touch you, up to a point, and you'd be expected to sit on their laps, and rub yourself against them. Touch? How? She felt strangely composed, almost serene as she took in his comments. You know, groping your breasts, teasing your nipples, stuff like that. His cock was getting uncomfortably hard, just talking to her about what she'd have to do. Can they touch my, you know, my pussy? She bit her lip again as she said it. Well, some girls allow it, if they pay extra. Strictly speaking, it's usually against the rules, but management will turn a blind eye to a bit of fingering. He was now rock hard at the image of his wife being finger-fucked in the VIP lounge. Across the table, Jess felt herself getting hotter. She guessed she was looking rather flushed, and she could feel herself getting wet at the top of her thighs. Her husband's explanation of what she'd be expected to do was arousing her, and she wondered if it was doing the same to him. How, how would you feel about that? Jess looked at him nervously, chewing her lower lip. He studied her for a moment, wondering just how much he should confess to her. Look, Jess, if we're going to do this, we both need to be totally honest with each other, or it could become a disaster for our marriage. She nodded. I agree. I love you, and nothing can change that. You have to remember that, whatever happens. The pair of them were silent and looked at each other, trying to read their partner's mind. So, how would you feel about me doing all that? She repeated her question after a few minutes of silence. Part of her wanted him to tell her that she wasn't going to do it, that he wouldn't allow it, while another part wanted him to agree to it. The conflict of emotions inside her had her stomach in knots. Looking at her, he swallowed nervously, wondering what response his answer would get from her. Honestly, I think it would turn me on. Watching you on stage and in the VIP suite, Tom managed to stammer, his cheeks colouring while he stared down at his feet. She got up from the chair and came around to him, sliding into his lap as she wriggled around to get comfortable. Mmm, so I see. Or should I say feel, she giggled, with his very obvious erection pressing into her arse. Someone really likes the idea, don't they? How about you, though? I've been completely honest. Now it's your turn. He pulled her tighter against him, running his hand along her jean-covered thigh. Yes, I'll admit it. It would turn me on, too. The idea of exposing myself like that, and even letting a stranger touch my breasts, is kind of a fantasy of mine, I guess. In fact, it's making me really wet just talking about it. She blushed crimson as she admitted it. For a moment they stared into each other's eyes, and then they kissed, their tongues probing and twisting together as he reached up and cupped a small pert breast, fondling it through her T-shirt. Take me to bed, his wife whispered into his mouth. I need some cock in me. He held her away from him, looking into her eyes. Have you thought about what else this might involve? He asked pointedly. Such as? Her mystified expression told him she didn't understand what he meant. Jess, these guys aren't going to tell you all their secrets just because you take your panties off. Exasperated by her lack of common sense on the matter, he ploughed on. You might have to fuck them, or even become their girlfriend, and even then you might not find out anything. Have you thought of that? Shit. No. No, I hadn't, she admitted. The look of complete horror on her face made it clear she hadn't considered how far it might have to go. Are you really prepared to do that and more for your story, and to bring this gang down? Part of him wanted her to say no, while the other, larger part, was most definitely wanting her to say yes. I... well, I... I suppose I could. After all, it would just be... sex. She looked at him, trying to gauge his reaction. I mean, I wasn't a virgin when we met, so it's not like I haven't been with other men. 
And what if it's great sex and they make you come? Or what if they want you to sleep with them for the night? He needed her to be absolutely sure about this as well. She suddenly had a panic-stricken look on her face as her husband said this to her. Her eyes registered her concern, but she took a breath and tried to calm herself. I suppose, she mumbled uncertainly. No, no supposing, Jess. We need to be totally honest about it and how we feel. His voice rose slightly. Well, how do you feel about it? She twisted on his lap to face him. As long as you're my wife and it doesn't change your feelings towards me, then I'd love my wife to get herself fucked. He tried to keep his voice even, wondering what she would say to his admission. Jessica kissed him, pushing her tongue into his mouth before looking into her eyes and answering, I will always love you. It doesn't matter how good the sex might be, they won't be you. An orgasm or two doesn't change anyone's mind about who they love. With that, it was decided. They were going into this as a team, for better or worse. To be continued. Reveal all except the truth Undercover stripper There we go, chapter two, in the bag. I thought it was an interesting chapter. We got a sex scene this time, which was good. We'll come back to that later. Because first I want to talk about an inconsistency that occurred to me while I was recapping last week's episode at the beginning of this podcast. And that's to do with Sarah the barmaid, who knows Tom's a police officer. And now she also knows that he's working on the case that involves the strip club where some of her friends work, which already seemed like a bit of a risk. I think that's why, in a real investigation with an undercover element, you would definitely have somebody different going around town asking questions and gathering leads to the person who is actually going to go undercover themselves. Because now Tom is going to go undercover working at the club, he's going to be working alongside the girls who are friends with somebody who knows his true identity. And that seems like a recipe for disaster, if I'm honest. What if Sarah from the bar is hanging out with her friends from the strip club and they run into Tom on the street? What if Sarah comes to the club to meet her friends after work? Who would her loyalties really lie with? Her friends or the creepy cop who ogled her bum that one time when she was at work? Because even if her friends who strip at the club aren't directly involved in the criminal side of the organisation, they're still employed by the criminals. And if they get arrested and the business goes under, then they're out of a job. So is Sarah really going to risk losing all her friends their jobs just to help out Tom? It also seems just a little bit close for comfort to have an undercover officer working in the same area that they would normally do their regular job as a uniformed police officer. Surely there are people in town who know Tom and would recognise him as a police officer. What if one of those people visits the club and is surprised to see him working there? But I think it's even more likely that somebody would recognise Jessica. After all, she's a public figure and her name and face are probably featured in the paper on maybe a weekly basis. A big part of being a journalist is knowing people and building relationships. You're out there trying to get a name for yourself around the town. And if Jessica has been successful in her job, there will be loads of people who would recognise her. Which is why a real journalist would hire a private investigator to do this kind of work for them. Somebody whose name isn't in the public domain. But maybe Jessica isn't that successful in her job. I mean, she seems desperate for this story. I wonder if that's maybe because she's hanging on by a thread. At least, according to Tom, the one thing she knows how to do is suck cock. That's a heck of a thing to say about any woman, let alone your loving wife. I got a bit of a flashback to Bam Barkley, the detective in Death is a Beautiful Blonde there. Because that is a pretty sexist thing to even think, really. Is that even a compliment to say that somebody sucks cock like a pro? 
because aren't you then comparing them to a prostitute? I definitely think that Jessica is onto something when she says that Tom is trapped in the Dark Ages, where the little wife should stay home cooking and cleaning. They've had two meals so far, and as far as I can tell, Jessica has cooked them both. She does attempt to stick up for herself, although she completely undermines her argument by stomping off into the bedroom and opting for the silent treatment, which I don't think is ever a good strategy. In this case, it gives Tom the upper hand, and it makes her seem petty and withholding. I did think that it was a funny detail, though, that even when Jessica is so mad at Tom that she won't speak to him, she still makes him a coffee in the morning. Like, she thinks it's more of a statement to make the coffee and slam it down on the table when she serves it to him, rather than to just refuse to make the coffee at all. I think it's obvious that if she really wanted to address the issue, then she has to do it directly by initiating a conversation about their shared values and how they'd each like to be treated by the other. Having said that, though, I don't think it's completely unreasonable for Tom to have raised an objection to his wife taking on a dangerous undercover mission, especially as there's little or no support, and it's also under circumstances which are likely to undermine his own operation. For Tom, he doesn't really have a choice. His boss has told him that this is what he's got to do, whereas for Jess, she seems to have more freedom over which stories she does or doesn't cover. I think it's understandable that Tom isn't thrilled about her suggestion that she go undercover in his place. How would Tom's boss react if he knew he'd palmed off the investigation he was tasked with to his civilian wife? Because going undercover to investigate a crime syndicate is not the work of a journalist. It's police work. In Chapter 1, Tom and his boss are worried about the press getting upset at the police for interfering in their reporting, but it's totally unreasonable that the work of a journalist would take precedence over an active police investigation. The press frequently takes specific directions from law enforcement on what they can and can't report, and it's usually to protect the work of officers pursuing an active investigation. The two institutions work together, and even though there are times when they're at odds with one another, that's a small minority of cases. And usually those cases are about the press covering problems within the police, like corruption or things that have been badly handled. The press are there to observe the police and report on what they think about what the police are doing, not do their jobs for them. The last thing a newspaper would want to report is a story about a young journalist getting in the way and exposing an undercover police operation, ruining all the hard work and letting the criminals get away with it. The really obvious proper protocol here is that the press have to stand back and let the police get on with police work. Tom isn't entitled to tell Jessica anything about what he's doing, and it's probably against the law for him to discuss sensitive information from work in this way with her. I think realistically, he could have brought her to the police station to get the information that she has, and maybe even that would be the proper way of doing it. And I think that's one of the conflicted themes of this story, the way that journalism and police work are pitted against each other as if they can be compared in parallel to the equality issues between men and women. There's a bit of a sense of anything you can do I can do better to the conflict between press and police, and an assumption that because that does apply to men and women, that somehow it also applies here, when the fact is that unlike men and women, the press and police are not equal, and they shouldn't be. They serve very different roles, and each naturally has to give way to the other's remit to function correctly. They can't both do the same job. When I picked this story, I was expecting it to be a little bit more like a police drama, but that hasn't really how it's panned out so far. I don't think there's enough protocol for it to feel like a real police operation. Tom seems solely responsible for what he does, and when he does it, he's dictating the whole approach with basically no sign-off from above, and he's got absolutely no backup or guidance. Tom's just going around haphazardly doing whatever he wants. He's relying on pure instinct and guesswork. It's terrifying, and thank goodness unrealistic, that he would just walk into the club without any plan, just hoping he can pick up a job. 
It's also a sticking point for me that Tom seems to have no specific training on how to infiltrate an organisation like this. He's just left to completely wing it. What if Daryl or Markov had known he was a police officer? What if they just realised that something was fishy and decided not to take the risk? There was no background work to make his application seem more believable. He's so underprepared that even the fake name he chooses is dangerously close to his real identity. I also think that it's a bit out of character for Tom to go into this situation so unprepared and without a clear plan of action approved by the chain of command. After all, he spent three years in the Royal Marines where everything is about preparation, planning, executing objectives, and it's all very top-down. Your orders always come from the commanders in charge. And now working in this way would be totally in conflict with his experience and skill set as an ex-Marine. Even his basic training as a police officer should be screaming at him about the lack of risk management and accountability. I think it was also maybe a risky move of Tom to even mention that he was with the Royal Marines. They're some of the most hardcore, trustworthy members of the armed forces, and they're rigorously establishment. Being an honourable person is one of the core traits of a soldier in that position, so mentioning that might come across as a bit of a red flag to somebody in a criminal organisation. Why would they take the risk of employing somebody with a track record for being so heavily involved in upholding the status quo? Tom would have been much better off telling Daryl that he'd done any other job in the military, and his excuse for being honest, that it would be easy to check, ignores that in any undercover operation, the police would have provided a checkable alter ego for him to use. Everything about Tom's plans are so slapdash that even his wife, who's basically a civilian, knows that they're idiotic. And it's unfathomable to me that an officer who'd made their way to the rank of detective sergeant would have to be told by their wife that walking into an undercover investigation without a plan, on the off chance that they give you an in, is madness. Lo and behold, though, of course they do. But it's rather that the author has to have them do that for the story to progress, rather than as a result of Tom's sound police work. As to whether Tom really has the right to be upset at the idea of his wife working in a strip club, I think that he does. I mean, in one sense, it's her body, and she can choose what she does with it, so I don't think he has the right to control her if she's dead set on it. But I do think he's allowed to be upset with her. And if he's really not able to tolerate it, then I think he's free to leave the marriage. Ultimately, I guess it's about boundaries. Fortunately, though, that's not an issue in play here. Tom loves the idea of his wife stripping and having sex with other men, and I think, in a way, he is doing her a sort of kindness in the way that he gently introduces Jessica to what the reality of working in the club might mean. Especially as he does that without expressing his preference either way. He's not putting any pressure on her, and he definitely gives her an out if she wants to take it. Fortunately, again though, she's also keen about the idea. And I guess the thing that struck me about that was that I felt it was a bit optimistic of Tom and Jess to worry that if she was to have sex with a client, the issue would be that it's too pleasurable, not that it's distressing and uncomfortable, which would be my first thought. I've got absolutely zero personal experience to bring to the table here, so I might be completely wrong about this, but I always assumed that the majority of people who pay for sex do that because they can't find anyone who wants to do it with them for free. It's people who are either very unattractive, very old, maybe they're socially awkward, or, or maybe they've got some strange sexual urge that they can't get fulfilled without offering some financial incentive. I wouldn't have thought that the main difficulty in being a prostitute is that the clients are too attractive and they make you come too hard. I'd imagine that it's the very opposite. What's funny to me is that Tom and Jessica never even consider that the sex might not be good. Getting to the sex scene that Tom and Jessica had together, there were a lot of moans and groans in the dialogue, which I hope I did justice to. I worked hard to faithfully recreate the abundance of elongated vowel sounds and exclamation-marked grunts that were littered throughout the text. 
and I did think that they were a little bit gratuitous. Other than that, though, it seemed like a pretty normal sexual routine between the two. Jessica is definitely into a bit of dirty talk, and Tom seemed to really like giving her the tease. I thought it was one of the more realistic heterosexual encounters that we've had on the podcast so far. Neither of the pair were superhuman in their abilities, and even though they did do the classic erotic story thing of simultaneously climaxing together, I'm going to give them a pass here, because they are married, so they know each other's rhythms pretty well, and they did at least communicate realistically, which meant we got an insight into Tom's attempts to hold back and wait for Jessica, which did make it a bit less artificial. I usually feel it stands out like a bit of a sore thumb when strangers in stories manage to sync up their orgasms so effortlessly, because it's not something which usually happens by accident, especially with a new partner. This was yet another story where we have a man bottoming out, hitting a woman's cervix, and it made me think, is that a positive thing though? I'm not saying that I've got an enormous penis, but there are certain positions with certain partners where I've bottomed out, and I've got to say they've never reacted as though it's a pleasant feeling. It's always, whoa, careful, not, oh yeah, keep prodding away at my cervix because it feels so good. I guess that's just my own experiences though, because I've just done a quick Google, and apparently there are some women who find it pleasurable. There's even such a thing as a cervical orgasm apparently, which you have to balance against the risk of bruising if you're not gentle, and that sounds like a very uncomfortable thing to happen. So I guess your mileage may vary on this one. Overall though, I thought this was a good chapter, a fitting follow-up to chapter one, And good to have a sex scene in there, even though we're still obviously in a bit of an introductory phase, just setting up the various bits in the story, with most of the action still to come. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Last week I remember complimenting the dialogue, which I thought was still pretty decent in this second chapter, although there were definitely some clangers, as there almost always are in erotic literature. My favourite one from this episode when Tom says, as long as you're my wife and it doesn't change your feelings towards me, then I'd love my wife to get herself fucked. (laughs) Get herself fucked. It's just not a phrase that I can really imagine coming out of anyone's mouth, let alone in the middle of what seemed to be a bit of a heart-to-heart between Tom and Jess when they were being quite sensitive with one another. It was just a bit jarring, I think. I think the best line in this story, and it was almost poetic, was during the sex scene, at the moment where Jess comes during oral sex, her pussy flooding its cream all over his face as the glowing embers of her lust flared into a raging inferno. That is a banging simile. I don't know if we've seen better than that in any other story. Anyway, enough of what I think. Let's head over to the comments section and have a look at what everybody else thought. Again, I'll do the short ones first. There's one from Boyd Percy, who says, Potential for big trouble. Highbrow says, Femdom agitprop turns to stripping. Getting interesting. Wooden Cav says, Great so far. Four stars. Tatanka Bill says, Still fun. Black Phobos, who's our Portuguese reader, says, Muito bom. <laughs> I hope I pronounced that right. Which translates as, Very good. Phaserboy1 says, Love it. This is going to explode their marriage will not survive her fucking around. And I gotta say, I'm not sure that I agree with Phaserboy1. I think it maybe it will survive her fucking around. Especially given that they've had this quite sensitive and open talk ahead of time. I guess what I'm thinking is that whose feelings are going to get hurt when they're both into it and they both agreed that it's fine. I think I... (laughs) I think I kind of agree with Jess when she says an orgasm or two doesn't change anyone's mind about who they love, especially if it's ethical non-monogamy where both partners are consenting to it. It's maybe a different story if it's behind someone's back. CZOFTW says, 
Loving it so far? I've really enjoyed, in all your other stories, the interplay between reluctance slash shame and desire. I'm looking forward to the next chapter. Yeah, I guess there was an element of that there. I wonder if that's a big theme that's going to emerge as we get through the chapters. I have to keep an eye on that. Gaba says, Interesting, if familiar, plot. She seems far too naive to be an investigative journalist. She knows what she's in for. Let's hope we don't get a lot of coy nonsense and shock when they start fucking her. (laughs) Well, I definitely agree that she does seem a bit too naive to be an investigative journalist. But if the last comment's anything to go by, then I think we probably will get a bit of coy nonsense. (laughs) Because that's all part of the reluctance, shame, desire paradigm, isn't it? Quir12 says, Fun first two chapters to what should be another one of your great stories. Looking forward to more drama and intrigue of this willing couple to do what needs to be done for the good of a headline and an arrested. Maybe. Great storytelling and a fun plot. So excited to see where you take the needed debauchery. Cannot wait to see what the punters and gang members do to our little reporter. Thanks for your time to write and publish. Rock it on. Cheers. (laughs) Some fun little turns of phrases there, weren't there? Rock it on. And I like that they had a whole sentence on its own for the word maybe. (laughs) Great comment. Thanks, Quir12. Wiz1002 says... Looks like she will join as a stripper and will be willing to go much further. It is stretching it that as a journalist she didn't realise that being fucked would be part of the deal. Looking forward to the next chapter when she joins the dancing group. Have you turned off the star rating, as I can't give you a score on the story? Well, I can tell you that they haven't turned off the star rating, I just managed to give them a score, so that's no problem. But I've got to say, I don't think it is naive to think that being a stripper isn't the same as being a prostitute. I don't think that most strippers also have sex with clients as part of the deal, do they? I guess maybe they're talking about infiltrating the gang as a stripper. I suppose even James Bond wasn't above sleeping with people to get information. So maybe that is part of the deal when it comes to being a sneaky reporter going undercover. Final comment from Perverted Knight says, Four stars from me, as the grammar seems to be a lot better in this chapter. I do agree with Gabba's critique that she seems to be too naive to be an investigative journalist, but I am willing to suspend my disbelief. I remember when I was married and suddenly realised I was getting hot at the thought of sharing my wife's pussy and having this conversation when pressed. I thought you handled that dialogue well, since it mirrored my wife's attitude. Hurt at first, but then turned on and ready to fuck me some more. I look forward to your next chapter. (laughs) interesting so a first-hand account of just how realistic this story may or may not be in their experience very realistic interesting that it was a sudden realization for perverted knight that they wanted their wife to sleep with other people i wonder if it was some big event or maybe it was just boredom (laughs) it's hard to know isn't it it's hard for me to imagine to be honest there we are though great comments very positive and it seemed like everybody was enjoying the story If you're enjoying Undercover Stripper, then I want to invite you to head over to literotica.com and check out some of the author's other writing. You can find them by searching for UK underscore writer underscore 53 as an author on the website. If you do check them out, then it's always nice to maybe leave a comment, give them a star rating. If you really like them, then I think there's a way you can follow authors on Literotica, so you might want to do that. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe and rate the podcast. Leave a review if you can do that on your podcast app. 
But the main thing, and this is crucial, if you know somebody in your real life who would love this podcast, then please don't be afraid to recommend it to them personally. That's the best way to spread the news about a new podcast, is to just tell people in your lives directly about it. And stuff like that really helps to grow the audience. I want to mention again the Patreon page, which is pretty new. You can find a link to it in the description. It's just £5 a month to support the podcast, helping to keep me motivated, paying for some of the equipment, and justifying the enormous amount of time that I spend recording each episode of this podcast. It's definitely way more work than I thought it would be when I started. And even though it's enjoyable, and I do this as kind of a hobby, it would be amazing to imagine a future where this is my full-time job, and I could commit to releasing more content, bonus stuff, and maybe even try out some other ideas for podcasts that I've got that are non-erotic-based. Anyway, if you can afford £5 a month, then please consider heading over to the Patreon page and signing up. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'll be back next week with Chapter 3 of Undercover Stripper. Until then, wrap up warm, have a great week, and don't give up on your New Year's resolution. Catch you next time. Bye-bye. Reveal all except the truth Undercover Stripper Take off your clothes and move your body to distract the eye. Nobody knows that underneath you're an undercover spy. Reveal all except the truth. Undercover stripper. Never tell them. Don't sound so shocked, honey. Just because I take my clothes off. (laughs) Oh, man. Another accent I'm in trouble with.